How's it going? I'm Playbook Deputy Editor Zach Stanton. Happy Monday. We're trying something a little different today to preview the week. I am joined by Playbook co-author Eugene Daniels for today's Playbook Daily Briefing. Eugene, welcome back to DC. Uh, you just visited Georgia, right? I did. I was there for five days. And while you were there, you uh, were doing some reporting on the giant marquee Senate race that they have, the Senator Raphael Warnock against Herschel Walker. One thing that uh, in the process of your reporting that I thought was kind of interesting, a little behind the scenes peek here, <laughs> is that you went to Ebenezer Baptist Church yeah. for Sunday services to do some reporting, to talk to parishioners, and I think to soak in the whole scene. And while you were there, uh, the Reverend Warnock <laughs> noticed you and, and was trying to sort of play the refs a little bit, knowing you were in town for some reporting. Uh, yes. Yeah, I did go to Ebenezer Baptist Church. One, I wanted to go because we had I hadn't seen anyone do that yet, really. Like anyone go to the church and kind of just get the scene of what it's like to watch this man who's both a senator and a reverend. My grandfather was a Baptist preacher. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. And I so, I so I felt very comfortable there. Maybe too comfortable because I said probably closer. <laughs> I would say closer than most reporters probably would sit in doing one of the, you know, and kind of being in the scene and kind of trying to sneak into the church. And so he like walks over to me and he's talking about it's voting, you know, voting season is upon us. We're in election season. I know because these journalists, they come to church on Sunday morning. <laughs> They sometimes try to sit over in the cut. You know, and you know how I know it's election season. These reporters are in here trying to sneak, and he looks at me and he goes, "But brother, your afro is too big." <laughs> Good to see you, man. <laughs> you you can't hide over in the cut, not with that big old afro. I see you on TV. So you clean all the time. Clean. It was quite. Uh, it was quite the thing. It was really funny. My mom has been getting a kick out of it for days. <laughs> I'm so glad to hear that. Um, <laughs> so, one of the things that you wrote about in a piece that's out this morning that I, I wanted to ask you about is, you know, there is some hand wringing among some black political strategists, both in Georgia and outside of Georgia, about whether or not the Warnock campaign and Democratic allies who sort of, as you said, flooded the state with ads, whether they're doing enough to make the positive case for Raphael Warnock or whether they've focused too much on uh, sort of hammering Herschel Walker. Yeah. One one Democratic pollster said to me that there could be a misstep in um, Democrats and and Warnock trying to disqualify Walker so much and not to requalify what Warnock has actually done. You know, and, and others agree with that. It wasn't just one person. It was multiple strategists who um, are either working for Democrats in that state or are Democratic strategists in that state themselves. And I think that's really interesting, right? Because one of the things that we have seen over the years is that politics has been and has been for many years very negative, right? Knock down your opponent. That has always been the case. But then you also have to introduce yourself to voters. Um, something that he said is that folks like Warnock, right? But they don't really have anything to point to that he's done. And I think that's that's probably the case for a lot of senators, right? Like I don't think Warnock yeah. is very special in that. Um, when you're a senator and you're one of 50 and then one of 100, um, it's hard to point out the kinds of things that you've done. And so they have to do that themselves. And something that 
didn't make it into the story. So this is, you know, breaking news for you guys here on the podcast. <laughs> Something that the strategist said that the Warnock campaign and Warnock himself should be doing is talking about voting rights breathlessly. One, voting rights is still a very big issue, for, especially for Democratic voters in the state. It is very important to Black voters in the state for obvious reasons. Um, and he is in the pulpit, not the exact same pulpit, but like steps away from the same pulpit that Martin Luther King Jr. spoke at, right? Mm -hmm. And the church is actually a block away from Martin Luther King Jr.'s home. So it's like, mm -hmm. there's an easy connection between him as a senator and voting rights. Now, the problem with that is that Democrats weren't able to pass the, the John <laughs> right. Rice Advancement Act. So it doesn't have much to show for it. Um, but it was an interesting concept. Like, why are you not talking about this thing where there's such an easy connection? Totally. And, you know, it is interesting, given the tone of this campaign and how fiercely it's being fought, that you have Warnock, who occupies dual roles, where he is both Reverend Raphael Warnock, as well as Senator Raphael Warnock. And they require very different skill sets in some ways. There is certainly overlap, certainly his yeah. abilities as a speaker, his comfort with people. And yeah. I think the clarity with which he talks and thinks uh, is very useful for a politician. But, you know, you can say certain things as a politician that you aren't going to say as a pastor. And, and you, can talk, you can talk about people and criticize them in ways uh, as, a, uh, as a candidate that you maybe wouldn't. Uh, as a pastor. So uh, how, how did you see Warnock sort of inhabiting both of those worlds, uh, the political and the, the spiritual at once and, and playing those roles sort of at the same time? Yeah, it was kind of weird because, you know, Baptist preachers, politics is a part of um, their sermons at all times, right? Like, right. And so when he came out, and started his sermon, he did talk about policy. He talked, he used uh, healthcare as a way to describe people's um, relationship with God, their plan, you know, what the, mm -hmm. the healthcare plan that God had for you. Um, okay. He talked about climate change and how important it was. But for the most part, it was like, it was like sprinkled within. And so he does a pretty good job of not talking about the race, right? Like he probably can't and shouldn't sure, uh, right, right, right. talk about talk about the race. He tells people to vote at the end of it. He tells he even tells them, you know, I ain't telling you to vote for me. You can vote for whoever, but I don't know that anyone believed that. I think everyone <laughs> <kind of laughs> right. understands or not. Right. He's not hoping that they vote for um his opponent. But he spoke of compassion a lot in his sermon, which was really interesting, mm. um, considering all of the drama happening with Walker, right? Um, right. He, his campaign has been running negative ads, um, as you do, um, knocking Walker on, you know, personal failings, um, uh, of which there is a, a list um, for Walker. It's not just this case. There's been scandal after scandal after scandal. And even on the debate stage on Friday, you know, he kind of, he needled him a little bit but it, it isn't as nasty as we're used to politics being. and But it still feels like this juxtaposition, right? That you're walking this fine line between not going too far, right? You can't right. you can't really attack him how probably most Democrats would on that stage because on Sunday, you got to get in the pulpit, right? Like you to, <laughs> right. You have to be able to go and tell the people that you are living 
and trying to live um, a godlike life and also doing your job. And so we haven't seen this before, right? This is not something, um, especially in modern politics, where we've seen someone have to straddle this line. And the fact that it's a Black Baptist preacher preaching in the Dr. Martin Luther King Church in Atlanta, (laughs) while Georgia has found itself um, kind of being a swing state is really fascinating. So you mentioned the big debate between Warnock and Walker that was on Friday night. Uh, Georgia actually has another big debate tonight, Monday night, uh, yes. between Republican Governor Brian Kemp and Stacey Abrams. Uh, what is what is the Abrams campaign looking like in Georgia? Yeah, I mean, the thing about Stacey Abrams and her um, the way that she thinks about campaigning is kind of the way that her organization, Fair Fight Action, kind of works, right? Like, it is about going out and talking to voters that people are ignoring, maybe, and figuring out ways to make sure they're, they're registered to vote. And so it's very much the advocates and activists way to to, to think about campaigning. Um, and I think what she knows, what their, her campaign definitely knows, is that this race between Brian Kemp and Stacey Abrams um, whoever wins, it's going to be one at the margins. This is a state where the the p- partly because of her work and, sure. and, and um, has now become a much closer race um, for both uh, Warnock and Walker and her and Kemp. And so I was talking to someone that was really interesting, and they said, you know, they love Stacey, they're a Democratic strategist, and that she has done so much work to kind of shore up the black vote for Democrats. In that state, it is one of the reasons that Joe Biden won. It is um, one of the reasons that Black people in the um, runoffs in 2021 came out for Raphael Warnock um, and John Ossoff and then gave Democrats two Senate seats they weren't expecting. Um, But she may not enjoy the the, the fruits of that labor. And that's because Brian Kemp is doing really well you look at yeah yeah you look at a lot of the polling he, yeah and the, the and, polling consistently sorry to interrupt but the polling yeah, yeah. consistently shows kemp with a lead over abrams yes. a pretty substantial lead outside of the margin of error generally speaking yeah sometimes 10 points yeah yeah and it also generally speaking shows warnock with a smaller but a still a lead over uh over herschel walker so we get into this dynamic of you know possible kemp Warnock voters and what what that looks like, because <laughs> um, that seems like such an odd fit. Yes, which is kind of wild to think about, right? Especially when we th- we we often put voters in kind of camps, and mm-hmm. um, like you're going to vote all the way, and 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 strategists too, not just you know political totally. reporters, strategists um, that they're going to you know you're going to vote for the top of the ticket and go all the way down. And that is not the case here. Part of that is because of Herschel Walker and his, you know, people not feeling like he is conservative enough. There are some Republicans when you talk, Republican voters, when you talk to them who feel like um, he doesn't really understand or even care about policy. And Raphael Warnock is a Baptist preacher. So the, the juxtaposition between Raphael Warnock and Herschel Walker is very clear. And it's also very clear between Brian Kemp and Stacey Abrams in a different way. Brian Kemp is not just a Republican. He is, you know, he has espoused a lot of the kind of far right wing things. You think about when he ran in 2018, talking about rounding up 
undocumented immigrants in his own pickup truck in Atlanta, right? And so like that is something mm -hmm. that I think people both think about and hold in their heads as something, but they also remember Zach and have brought up to me um, Democrats, how he basically did his job in 2020 and did not allow Donald Trump to twist his arm and overturn the will of the uh, Georgia voters in the election. Mm -hmm. And I don't, it's not that they're giving him a gift by, 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 by you know, putting him back in the, the governor's uh, mansion, but that is something that they think about, right? Even some of yeah. the Democrats. And so that tells you that the Republicans are especially thinking about that, that they yeah. well, like Well, Brian. it's a revealing moment, you know? It yes. tells you something about this guy in office that it, in his benefit, you know, suggests that this is like a guy who's his own man, exactly. who isn't going to let anyone push him around. Um, and, and whether you like it or not, he's going to do what he said he's going to do, right? Like right. one of the things that politicians have a problem problems with is actually following through and voters are sick of right. that, right? Like it's like, I'm going to do all this stuff and they don't. Well, you know, Brian Kemp, whether you like his policies or not, the man did is, and is doing what he said he was going to do. And I think that does, you know, that kind of honesty um, still does go along with voters, especially as we see, you know, politics get messier and messier. Well, speaking of doing what we said we were going to do, um, <laughs> I, I have a couple other things that I wanted to touch on. You know, we have uh, a couple more debates this week. Uh, we have in Ohio tonight, Tim Ryan versus J.D. Vance in Youngstown. This is their second and I believe their final debate. Uh, unlike the first debate uh, last week, this one will not be televised statewide in Ohio. Uh, it will be televised locally. Yeah, it's, it's strange to have a statewide race that isn't televised yeah, statewide, weird. but you know, such as Ohio, <laughs> I say that as a native Michigander. Um, also tonight uh, in Utah, uh, Senator Mike Lee uh, and independent uh, candidate Evan McMullen face off in a debate that I believe starts at 8 p.m. Eastern. Um, and uh, tomorrow is also, I should know, three weeks until Election Day. What is on your mind three weeks out? Oh, Lord. I mean, all of the storylines that we've been following are about to come to head, right? How much yeah. does Donald Trump weigh on voters' minds? How much does Joe Biden weigh on voters' minds? You know, this has been a midterm election that's kind of been choose your own adventure, um, mm -hmm. where you have Democrats talking about abortion um, and democracy and some of the bills that they've been able to pass. And then you have Republicans talking about inflation and crime. Um, and so we are going to see what wins out. And I think it is not going to be as, it's not going to be as easy to decipher as, as we probably hope. Um, and I also anticipate that it's going to, we're not going to know a lot of the races on the night of. And so, you know, buckle in for some of these, for some of these seats. You know, one other big thing that that's coming up that I wanted to mention is uh, you're getting married. I am! Uh, <laughs> and, uh, in a, a move that may surprise people who know uh, just how <laughs> how work intensive this is, you were getting married in advance of election day. <laughs> we really did not plan it right. We were <laughs> we were thinking, and we were mostly just we loved the place and the venue. Oh. Um, and then this was the only time we wanted to get married this year. So it's it literally is like <laughs> we're getting married. I have like that Monday off and I'm back to work on Tuesday. <laughs> get to, doing, that, doing that, that, that Tuesday is a week out from election day. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Um, what I love chaos uh, I, in my life. I love chaos in my life. <laughs> 
But I guess which is more stressful, uh, wedding planning or being a White House reporter and playbook co-author? Oh, my God. Wedding planning by far. <laughs> wedding planning. <laughs> wedding planning by far. Because being a White House correspondent, playbook co-author, it is like I trained for that. I right. like I, I have experience in it. <laughs> I never played no damn wedding before. So that is the much harder job, I have to say. Well, uh, knowing uh, the demands on your time, uh, in particular with the wedding up uh, now just a week uh, in the future here, uh, thank you for spending the time with me uh, and with all of us <laughs> this morning, Eugene. Uh, thanks for coming on. Anytime. Thanks, Zach. Be sure to subscribe to the Playbook newsletter if you haven't. Our music is composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Zach Stanton. Thanks for listening.